Welcome back, everyone, for week one of the motorsports season in 2022. Growler Garage here to kick off our uh, season. Did our, our little kind of preview show, if you will, after the Coliseum, our week zero show, um, to kind of get the kinks worked out and see how we like to do in this format. So we're going to keep it up here with week one. Obviously, the Daytona 500 is the big one. Uh, I'm also going to be talking about the Daytona Xfinity race, the Daytona truck race, and previewing Auto Club Speedway uh, this weekend, uh, which will be a lot of fun. Talk about all sorts of fun things. Let's get to it. course the big one this past weekend the Daytona 500 uh race that man the it seemed like the anticipation and the excitement for this race is as big as it's been in in years in probably 10 years based off of what I saw on tv and on the internet and just from people who were there I mean sellout crowd which is awesome uh, not only in the grandstands but I'm told also in the in the infield and like the general admission type stuff also uh, which is just awesome. And it came off on TV. The pre-race was really cool. It felt really like a big event again. Um, I mean, it's always felt big, but it definitely has felt a little sideshowish and a little circusy the last few years while they're trying to kind of make up for it not being a sellout and not being as big of a race, I guess, as maybe it, it used to be. Um, but it felt it felt good this year. Not 100% back to how it was in maybe like the early 2000s, but it 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 was nice. It was uh, atmosphere looked really, really good. Uh, came through the TV pretty good. The presentation I felt like of the pre-race show by Fox was okay. By their standards, it was pretty good. Um, you know, Fox has their issues, which are documented, and we'll, we'll get into that more in detail later. But um, I felt like it was it was a pretty good, um, pretty good pre-race show and all that, and, and the event felt felt pretty big. They did a good job of making it feel like a big event again. So that was really cool to see, and, and I'm sure the new car is what had more to do with that than anything is people were excited about that to see how it would race and see if if anything would be massively different and the the, the short story is, is in my opinion it wasn't yeah there was some differences pit stop looks, pit stops looked a lot different the racing itself was not in my opinion much different than what we've seen in the past few years um i don't think it got as crazy i don't think they were able to get as big a runs uh, the pushing wasn't as insane uh, because they couldn't push. It seemed like if they got bumpers locked, the car in front got got pretty sideways and, and got out of shape pretty easily. Which personally, I liked. I liked that if you're going to push somebody, it has pretty big risk involved. Um, and certainly, we saw that with some with some of the well, really all the wrecks were a result of well, the six car um, pushing somebody and turning them sideways. I think I think nearly every wreck was caused by the same thing. Um, you know, so these guys will kind of get that figured out and I would expect at Talladega, we might see an entirely different race, but I will say after the duels on Thursday, I think myself and a lot of other people thought we were going to see a more strung out processional race with strategy and having to stay in the lead pack and potentially trying to reel them back in and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Kind of like the late nineties. Um, you know, like that's kind of race we used to see in like 96, 97, 98. Um, but that is not at all what we saw. Um, once they had the whole pack there and these guys had some of the, um, some of the stuff figured out as far as driving these things and setting them up, I guess, uh, 
back to normal. You know, two wide anytime they wanted. Three wide didn't seem to work at all, which is not too unusual for Daytona, but the cars weren't so stuck to the ground that they could just drive them around three wide, which I thought was kind of cool. So de definitely a, a pretty, um, an interesting race. It wasn't super chaotic and super hectic, which I personally liked. Um, you know, the finish was, was pretty intense and was, was good. So I think that was cool, you know, and of course a surprise winner to a certain extent. I mean, I don't know how much of a surprise a Penske car could ever be winning, but I don't think too many people expected Austin Cindric to pull it off. Um, you know, in hindsight, you know, Hey, he's probably one of the most prepared rookies in the cup series that we've had in the past. Well, in recent memory, I mean, it, he's going to, he's going to be a kind of rookie like we saw, you know, back in like harking back to like Tony Stewart, I think, I think he's, I think Cinder's going to win multiple races and has a real chance to maybe reset some of the rookie records. Um, and that's going to be fun to watch because especially now they're locked in the playoffs effectively. Um, so they can kind of go for broke a little bit, which I think is going to be pretty cool to watch. So that'll be a fun storyline to try to keep up with throughout the year. Um, but I mean, Cindric really ran a perfect race. I mean, I know there's a lot of Blaney fans that are upset with the finish there. Um, but what, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, if the, if the roles are reversed, Blaney's putting Cindric in the wall every time there. And I mean, he, and he didn't, he didn't hit him and put him in the wall. He made that lane exactly one car width wide. So if Blaney was going to put the nose there. He was going to be dragging the wall and dragging the two car, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, he didn't he didn't slam him, wreck him. I mean, to be fair, um, that that hit in the wall did appear to break the rear suspension on Blaney's car, um, which I think is something that we really are gonna. That's going to become a a big storyline, I think, in the coming weeks. It's how soft these rear suspensions are. A lot of cars in those wrecks were taken out because they broke something in the rear suspension, and I don't I don't know what that is yet, but. Um, basically the rear, one of the rear tires is no longer going pointed straight. It's pointed, you know, whichever, which way it wants to go. It's not being held in place anymore. Um, and if you watch the end of that race, Blaney's trying to save the car and it, it cannot be saved, um, cause one of the rear tires is just going all over the place. So that relatively small hit in the wall broke something in the rear end. And that, that I think is going to end up being a bigger deal at some of the shorter tracks. Um, maybe not like the short tracks cause I don't know if they'll be going fast enough, but we'll see. But some of the medium-sized tracks, if you get the wall on exit of a corner, I think your day could be done. I don't think you're going to have a, a good time just dragging the wall on exit. Darlington, for example, might be very, very interesting with that in mind. Uh, so that's something we'll keep an eye on throughout the year. But um, but anyways, I mean, Cindric, Cindric did nothing wrong there. Every driver in the field runs on the same thing. It's for the win. It's for Daytona. It doesn't matter if it's your teammate. Can't imagine Blaney's actually mad about it. I imagine he's disappointed, but can't be mad about that. So, I mean, Cindric did a great job. Um, then of course with them rubbing a little bit, it killed his momentum a little bit. And, and then, you know, Bubba Wallace almost got there second again. Um, you know, he's too good at these play tracks to not, to not win some more of them, but you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's just what it is. So, you know, great run for that team. Good start to the year. Um, I, I think that that 2311 team is going to be really strong this year. I think having Kurt Busch there, it's going to be a huge, huge benefit. I think that people underestimate how much he can help a team as far as the feel of the cars and maybe not so much the setup these days, but just giving good feedback. I know that Kyle Busch gets a lot of um, positive praise about that, but I think Kurt is a little underrated in that regard. Um, so I think that you're going to see that team really be every bit as good as Gibbs this year uh, in one way or another. So, um, you know, good run for that 23 car. I'm, I'm sure he's disappointed, but 
it was a good start to the year there. And then to me, the one of the big things is, is the 14 car, you know, he finishes third. It was just, you know, granted it was what 50 laps earlier that the end of stage two, that he was putting huge blocks on the leaders to keep himself on the lead lap coming to the end of stage two. And I know people were upset about that. And there was, you know, some controversy about, Hey, what are these big blocks? People are like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? But it ended up being a key point of the race for Briscoe that if he doesn't throw those huge blocks at the end of stage two, he goes a lap down and yeah, he probably gets the lucky dog, but it puts him at the tail end of the uh, restart for the beginning of stage three, rather than allowing him to pit with everybody and still be ahead of the real back marker cars. So that ended up probably getting him a third. I mean, who knows how it would have shaken out otherwise with the yellows and all that stuff. Who knows? But there's a very good chance he does not get a top five um, if he doesn't throw those huge blocks on um, at the end of stage two. Um, and then it also leads to that, that four of the top five cars were Fords at the end of the race. Um, you know, Wallace being the only only other car him in a Toyota. Uh, the Fords, I think everybody knew they were pretty strong. I think that they proved it all race that the Fords were the cars to beat. And I mean, and they had, you know, just looking at the results here, there was only three non-Fords in the entire top 10, you know, in um, Wallace, Bush, and uh, um, uh, Elliot, Chase Elliott in 10th. Uh, so, I mean, the Fords definitely have the plates, the plate tracks, Daytona at least, probably Talladega too. They're, they're certainly going to have an advantage, it looks like, going forward. So, you know, that was, I don't think too surprising, but I think the, the level at which they're able to do it is a little bit surprising because all the cars are basically the same and you're not, it's not the old days. You're not talking about, oh, they've got three tenths, five tenths, seven tenths in hand. It's that they're able to just, it seems like, just get more energy built up, more just, it's like they just draft better and it's not something that, Maybe you can explain in a simple way because it's not like they have less drag overall or, you know, more horsepower probably or anything like that. It's that in certain situations, the Fords just seem to be faster. Um, and that's just, you know, obviously good engineering and good. The teams and the people who work on these cars are so smart, you know, that I'm that's obviously done on purpose, you know. So it's not as though um, it's it's not as though they just went, okay, we're going to put less drag into it or, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to sacrifice this for this. It's, they figured out something that allows these cars to just be faster when they're following another car, it seems like. Um, I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but that's certainly uh, the gist of it. So the Fords will, the Fords, I think, in all the speedways are going to be interesting to watch, but definitely Daytona and Talladega, they seem like they're the cars to beat. Um, and, you know, and, and along with that, you know, with Sindra getting the win, you know, Penske has won a Daytona 500 before with, with Ryan Newman in the 12 car, but this is the first win for the two car, which is the Penske kind of flagship, you know, once started it all, you know, so it's, it's what, 30 years or so that this car has been trying to win the 500 with, with championship drivers, like R Rusty Wallace, Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, and now Sindrick, <laughs> a rookie comes out and gets it done. So, you know, Roger Penske has got to be, got to be loving that to have, finally have that two car get its 500 win. Um, it's almost been cursed, I feel like, because, you know, like, Rusty Wallace never even won a plate race, period, despite being, you know, one of the top drivers of the, of the time. And 
Kurt Busch never won a 500 in the two car, but then won one in the 41. Um, Keselowski's obviously won tons of plate races, but not a 500. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, pretty cool to see that, that kind of finally happened there. Um, so the, something, something I think that we have to talk about here is the TV coverage from Fox. It, I don't think anybody would be surprised to see just how loathed it was online, just talking to people and, you know, other people who are watching the race. I mean, it just, it's just like a big infomercial now where there just happens to be NASCAR going on in the background. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's, they push it farther and farther and farther every year. And people are saying, well, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. You're right. This has been going on for the entirety of Fox's um, tenure with NASCAR. And as a result, once Fox took it over in 01, you know, whoever was on the other side of it, whether it be ESPN or NBC or whatever, they followed suit because of course they have, because Fox has kind of set that standard of this is what we can get away with, I feel like. But they just keep pushing it farther and farther and farther. Go back and watch a race from 2005. Yeah, there's a ton more commercials in that compared to 1999. You know, because in 99, like, it's just a race with a ticker on the top of the screen that shows a running order. And you get commercials like every 20 or 30 minutes. Like, it was probably, probably more often than that, probably 15 minutes, but still. This, this race, we were averaging commercials like, Every like full commercials, like every five minutes, every six minutes, but then in between that, you're getting bombarded with this lap is brought to you by this person and this company sponsors this segment. And we're cutting out of the race to show a Toyota commercial in the middle of the race. And we're doing, you know, Bush is doing this whole uh, effort, which is great, but I mean, come on, like every 10 seconds, we're getting hit over the head with buy this product. And I understand that they have to pay the bills. I get that. But they were able to pay the bills 15 or 20 years ago without having to do all of this stuff. And I don't know if the production has just gotten too bloated or if NASCAR's fees from, you know, what they're what they're being paid by these networks is too high. It, it's just, this can't, cannot continue. Like, if you have somebody who turned in Daytona for the first time, excuse me, yesterday, there is no way they would have sat through that whole race. It's just a slog because you can't follow the race at all. And and on top of that, the freaking ticker that Fox is using never showed intervals all race as far as I could tell. It always showed speed, which is useless at a restrictor plate track because it's all just an ebb and flow and they're all just following the leader. What Like whoever was in charge of that, I would love to talk to them and, and pick their brain and understand why on earth they felt like that was a good decision. You know, and then we never got intervals. So no idea who's a lap down. No idea who's lost the lead pack. Who did a group of cars drop off at some point to run slower? I don't know. To get out of the the chaos, who knows? You've no way of knowing because the camera never shows it. the The ticker never shows it. So it's like if your favorite driver is not top ten, you have no idea where they are. You like, yeah, you might know they're twentieth place. Are they two seconds off the lead? Are they twenty seconds off the lead? No idea. They didn't cover anybody who broke. I don't think they ever mentioned what happened to Greg Biffle, which granted, I know he's not, that wasn't a contending car, but he's a popular driver who was coming back after being gone for years. Give us something. They used to put cameras down in the garage area and stick the camera right under the hood of the car and show us what was going on. And we don't get any of that. Like they'll show a camera behind a pit box. It's not showing you anything. It, it It's just, it's just like, they're just trying to sell you products constantly and there just happens to be a race going on in the background 
and it's it's just it's it's like a just a failure of the entire system at this point as far as as far as the TV networks are concerned. I mean, it was just horrible. I mean, that was that was the worst race broadcast I've ever seen as far as like a professional level sporting event. And I did it at Daytona, which I I get it, you know, that's when the most eyeballs are on it. That's when they're trying to make the most money. But it's just a short-term gain and a long-term loss because if you just keep turning off fans like this that can't follow the racing, you know, then there'll be nobody to watch it anymore. And I mean, I think it is that, I don't think I'm overstating what a problem this is. It's that big of a deal that you, I'm somebody who watches racing and if I can't understand what's happening in the race at all times, I'm, I lose interest very quickly. And there's a million things you can talk about about why that is hard to do nowadays with stage breaks and blah. And that's a discussion for another day about how strategy has been ruined in, in NASCAR. But at least what we have could have been followed so much better. Uh, and it just, it was, I mean, it's, it was just ridiculous. Not even get into like the bad camera angles and being obsessed with these bumper cameras. It's like, I know that they're new and that's cool and we haven't had them in a long time, you know, on every car like this has never happened, but it's like a kid with a new toy. It was like, it was not the answer most of the race, especially in a plate track. It just, what are you seeing? You're seeing the, the rear bumper of the car ahead of you. That's it. There's nothing to see with a front bumper camera. Like, it's great for replays, fine. Show us that. But come on, like we're watching the race. I don't need these freaking onboards constantly. I don't need these artistic drone shots or whatever they're doing. Like, those are fine on restarts, whatever, I think. But man, like, come on, just keep it simple. Like, they just, they're trying to overcomplicate this stuff. And that just keep it simple. Like, we just want to watch the race. You know, you don't see them doing this crap with, with football. I mean, granted, I know it's just a field and there's always so many places you can film it from, but people would lose their minds if instead of showing, you know, an overhead showing the frickin' football field, if they had a drone zooming around, like, in a circle behind the quarterback as he's, as he's getting rid of the ball, like, you, you can't see what's going on. People are not there to watch a movie. They're there to watch a sporting event. It's like the it's like the producers or the camera operators or whoever's in charge of this stuff is is like they can't let the sport live and breathe on its own. They're trying to make it about them almost. Where it's like so people they I don't know if they think that people at home are going to be like oh look at that really cool camera shot. Ooh wow that was really cool. Bullshit. That's never going to happen. Nobody's going to be sitting there going wow that was a cool camera angle of that of that corner. Like, it, no, they want to see a race. That's it. It's, we just want to see a race. And, and like, if if somebody would be happy to send this rant to, to Fox for me, I'd be very appreciative because I guarantee you I am one of hundreds of thousands of people with similar complaints. Um, so Fox, please, please fix it because I'm going to, I'm going to have medical condition if you keep making me this angry. That aside, um, the Xfinity race on Saturday, that one, um, that was a pretty good race. That was a very, uh, much more what we're used to, um, restrictor plate race, you know, two wide, you know, kind of all race. It, it was a good race. I thought, you know, nothing, nothing out of the, the crazy, nothing out of the ordinary until the end, of course. Um, you know, Austin Hill made just a sweet move on Almendinger at the end, just crossed him over and. Not a lot Almendinger could do there because the, because of the run that, that Hill had, but man, that was still a really, really sweet fake out and did it obviously just in time as 
there's a huge wreck behind him and you know Mike Snyder you know car catches there and goes in the catch fence which is a wreck we've unfortunately seen similar several times now it was a truck race a couple years ago where something similar happened he didn't get into the fence as hard as Snyder did um but it is kind of a miracle that that doesn't happen more often and we got lucky on this one that it happened on the back stretch I mean granted I mean the front stretch is shaped different so it's not like you'd have the same exact type of wreck you'd have a a Larson wreck like we had in the Xfinity race several years ago, which is a, another one where dodged a big bullet. Um, you know, and, and it's it's kind of crazy these days that when you see that wreck in a stock car, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of you that's like, oh, is the driver okay? But you know he is, which is crazy to say because there's going to be a day where he's not, in all honesty. But you just kind of you kind of take it for granted and you go, and you look at the car. I mean, the engine and transmission was ripped clean out of the car, like, completely out the rear clip is is missing from what i mean by rear clip is like the whole rear of the car the frame and everything and i mean the amount of impact and the amount of energy it takes to do that is just unreal like it, it just looks like one thing on tv and then you sit and you think about it for a second and you go man that's an enormous amount of energy and yeah the parts coming off dissipates it but man it's just wild that the driver just gets out 30 seconds later and he's probably really sore today i would guess but you know, it, 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 but it's, you know, the, the, the safety of the fans and the, the people watching the race, that's really the biggest thing is NASCAR's on a really good job of keeping the driver safe, but it, for, for lack of a better way to put this driver safety is secondary to, to spectator safety to me, because the drivers obviously know what they're getting themselves into and nobody wants to see anybody get hurt or worse, but if they do, they knew that was a possibility when they strapped into the car. The fans are there to watch a race, you know, and it's families and it's all this stuff. And and it's just, you just, it doesn't take a lot. I mean, if a bolt comes out of this car at 190 miles an hour and flies into the stands, I mean, that's, that's a bullet, you know, uh, effectively. So, you know, it's just, um, I don't know what the answer is. The catch fence discussion has been a discussion for so long now. But it just feels like nobody's really taking it seriously, I think. And they've got, and every series has dodged a lot of bullets. And in, in some cases, they didn't dodge the bullet. I mean, in the 90s, I mean, people were killed by debris going in the grandstands. And if that happened today, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to be a much bigger problem, which is, I don't know why it wasn't a bigger problem back then. I mean, I know that they did things that made the catch fences taller and stronger and, and all this stuff, but they're just, all the... Just all the good work they did with the safer barriers and, you know, the Indy did over there and, and that NASCAR has done with, with the last couple generations of cars and the new Indy car, it's not new anymore, but the current Indy car is, is very safe as well compared to the old one. Um, and the Formula One cars are obviously very safe and they've all done all these great things. It, there just has to be a solution to these catch fences, you know, and I don't know what it is because I'm not that guy that's that smart and can engineer this stuff, but it just feels like because it's not... I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't, and I don't know why it hasn't been taken more seriously, but it just, it just gets the feeling like one of these days, just like in 2011 at the IndyCar race in Vegas, you know, with the pack racing, and everybody knew that that kind of wreck was going to happen someday. And they kind of didn't really ever do anything about it. And then it did. And the worst outcome happened and we lost a driver. And you just kind of get the feeling like, they're not going to take this catch fence situation seriously until um, 
until something happens in NASCAR or or to a to a fan, God forbid, or something, because the, the catch fences have maimed drivers and and injured drivers and killed drivers over the years and and fans too. I mean, I mean, I can't think of one recently, but it just it it just feels like we know the catch fence is a problem. Everybody knows the catch fence is a problem. It's not as safe as everything else that they've done the last two decades. The walls, the cars, all this great stuff they've done. All the series. They all deserve so much credit for everything that they've done. And then you've still got these catch fences that are just just a, a tragedy waiting to happen. And, uh, you know, and, and dot, we've dodged so many bullets over the years and it's just... It's going to happen at some point unless they do something, you know, because the, the, the cars get airborne, whether it's a cup car or Xfinity car or any sort of NASCAR or Indy car or, heck, even a Formula One car. I mean, we've seen it in the past with those. You know, it's just, you know, if the fans can't be expected to know the risk that that can happen. Everybody says, oh, on the back of your ticket, it says, oh, you're accepting all risk and, and you know this stuff can happen. Yeah, okay. What that is for... Is for if you're if you're at a track and some dude in front of you spills his cooler and you slip on the ice and, and fall down and break your arm, the track is not liable for that. That that's what that waiver is for. And they might try to tell you, yeah, if a car goes in the freaking grandstands, we're not liable for that. Well, you know what? They they are. They are the sanctioning body. There there is liability to go around if, if that ever again, God forbid, if that ever happened. You know, and because it's it's happened so many times and there's been no real effort to to make it not happen you know because you have to remember that if they ever got to that point where there was uh, ever a lawsuit about this or anything the courts are not racing experts they're not racing fans they're not gonna, nascar's not going to be able to say oh well we made the restrictor plates a 64th of an inch smaller and slowed the cars down 4 miles an hour and you know that should lower take get it below takeoff speed and that kind of stuff the, the judge or jury or whatever is going to sit there and go they're still going 192 miles an hour or whatever it is. And another car hits it or, or whatever. They're not looking at it from a racing standpoint. They're looking at it from, a, from a, a real world standpoint, you know? So we can't keep putting cars in the catch fence. That's what I'm trying to say here. And, 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 if, and if you're okay with cars flying, you have to either change the catch fence so that parts cannot in any kind of reasonable way get through it. I mean, we've seen enough times where we know the cars can't get through the catch fence. Well, okay, they could, I'm sure. They're not likely to get through the catch runs, but parts do. Every time there's a wreck like this, parts get through it, whether it's a, a wheel and tire, like in Kyle Larson's wreck, which was an absolute miracle that it didn't kill someone, and I know it injured some people, or in this one on, on Saturday, it put pieces of suspension in the front of a motorhome. You know, it, it, again... You just can't, you cannot have this keep happening. And I know it happens like once every like three or four years. It's not like it happens every week. But that's a lot. That Once every three or four years, like that is a lot. That's often for this kind of thing to happen. You know? So, I mean, I don't I don't want to make this, this whole thing just kind of a downer. But I mean, I just, I just feel like, no, I feel like I'm screaming in the void sometimes that, that maybe some of this effort in making the cars safer should be making the tracks safer instead. And, you know, nothing's ever safe enough, but maybe it's time to say, okay, the cars are working for what they are for right now. Let's take a couple years and work on the racetracks because 
the fan safety is paramount and it's, it's more important than the driver's safety. And it, it sounds so weird and so bad to say that, but it's true. Um, the, uh, the, the drivers must already feel very, very safe in those cars. Um, and they got to keep working on it, of course, but I just feel like if you're at a restrictor plate race for NASCAR or an oval race for any car, you cannot sit in the bottom 20 rows. In my opinion, it's just too much of a risk. I know it's one in a million in all likelihood, but it's just like you wouldn't walk outside in a lightning storm, you know, even if it's very low risk in, in reality, it just, just can't do it. So, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of all I'll say. It's, I spent too much time on that already, but, um, you know, they got to do something. Um, so anyways, the truck race was on Friday. That one, you know, they had the new, they have the new bodies on these cars and the new front ends, at least. Um, they're kind of more blunt, more square. I expected them to, to, be real slingshotty and real back to that the trucks used to be. Um, and it really wasn't. I thought it was a pretty tame race on Friday. Um, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't a bad race. It was just very kind of nothing, not not the craziness you normally get from the trucks. And I don't know if that just the truck quality maybe is a little bit lesser as far as like the number of really good teams or experienced drivers or what. Because that really felt more like an ARCA race from 10 years ago. Whereas this year's ARCA race was just one of the worst races I've ever seen from an entertainment standpoint. I think it's because there's just no experience in these drivers. Um, it, it just seemed, for whatever reason, ARCA, the ARCA race was just like a whole bunch of people that nobody's ever heard of. Which is not, that's what ARCA's for. I'm not knocking that. they got to learn somewhere. But it used to be we'd have this mix of like experienced drivers who were kind of ARCA lifers or whatever. And I'm sure there's still somebody there. So I apologize to them for not knowing who they are. Um it's 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 just uh i don't know the truck race was was okay the arca race was horrendously boring <laughs> um you know just nothing to it at all um you know the truck race might have had a pretty good finish i think they were brewing up for a pretty good finish there and then the two yellows at the end really just ruined it um you know zayden smith did a great job to be ahead when the white flag was out or or on the white flag lap you know because they had that yellow in that end of the race you know and you just have to know that especially in a truck race, like you got to be leading at the white because they're going to wreck at some point probably. And like I said, it might've been a good finish, but I mean, I, I, you know, it, it wasn't, but it, you know, whatever, it was fine. It was, there's just not much to talk about in that race. So, uh, looking forward to this weekend. Um, finally back to auto club speedway, the two mile track for those folks who don't know, there was talk of it becoming a half mile short track. It, they're still saying that that's a possibility. I, I've, I'm of the opinion that that plan is dead. I don't believe it's happening. I think maybe there's a small chance, but I don't see it. I, I think that that, has, that idea has come and gone, and the window for that has come and gone. Um, and this, just, this is going to remain a two-mile track, which for me personally, I am certainly hoping that that's the case. I love short track racing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, I, I like it better as a two-mile track because... Maybe we can get IndyCar back someday. And um, I, I like having a big, fast speedway to go watch races at. If I want to go see short track racing, you know, if they keep doing the Coliseum, I'll be there every year for that because that was awesome. Um, or I can go to Irwindale on a Saturday night, um, make a little drive, go to Phoenix. It's not really a short track, but it gives a little bit of a short track feel. Um, you know, so I, I like the mixture of the way 
the the tracks are laid out here in, in kind of the southwest or just the west coast right now. We can drive to Sonoma if you want to see a road course. Drive to Phoenix if you want a smaller intermediate. Go to Auto Club if you want to see a big one. And then if the Coliseum sticks around, you get a short track. I mean, any kind of race you want to see in NASCAR is um, is a possibility in the southwest region right now. So that's that's pretty cool. So I'd love to see it stay the two mile track, and I think it will. Um, but there's going to be, you know, this is this will be the third race in these new cars, counting the Clash. Um, so it'll be the first time on an intermediate track. So not a, you know, Coliseum is on a short track. Daytona is obviously a super speedway. So now we get to see what they do when there is cornering that involves um, downforce, if you will. You know, Daytona is not a handling track. The Clash is too small of a track to have a huge impact on aerodynamics. So this is going to be a really good test to see how do these cars actually drive. Like this is this is a big one for NASCAR because this this car was has been promoted for years now as something that's going to allow the cars to drive much closer together, not get this big arrow push when they get behind somebody, um, be maneuverable, all these different things to allow them to race closer together and not get this strung out. Um, races where you can't pass the car in front of you, even if you're much faster. Uh, so that's going to be the trick this year. You know, we're going to see, or this this weekend, I should say. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'll be there. Um this weekend, so I'll, I'll be able to report back kind of how it looked in person, which will be fun, um, which I'll talk about next, you know, a week from today on Monday, uh, you know, and it's going to be, it's, you know, I have high hopes for it, but I'm not expecting it to be a barn burner of a race where they're just, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I think it will be a, an okay race, but I'm just hoping there's some intrigue and um, I hope the cars look fast. Uh, I know they gave them some power back at the last last few tests of the year so i'm hoping that they are are quick and still kind of awe-inspiring when you when you see them so that it'll it'll be fun we'll see giving them a chance and you know we'll we'll see how they do nothing really say until we see it i suppose we saw what last weekend with the duels we thought after the duels the race is going to go one way and then the main race started and it went a totally different way we could see something similar here because they've never had this many cars on track at once at a intermediate track so um i don't think anybody really knows what to expect so um i'm excited we'll see be there sunday like i said um i'll I'll, you know i'll be having fun with it um and i'm i'm curious to see how big the crowd is going to be out there because obviously daytona was a sellout uh auto club auto club hasn't been a sellout in probably 20 years (laughs) so i'm not expecting that and i I know it won't be because i only just bought my tickets last week um and there was still a lot available um so we'll see how that ends up filling out. I have hopes for it because I think there is still some hope or are still some concern with folks that it's going to become a short track. So I think some folks do want to see one more race at the two-mile track um, before it potentially goes away, even though, I, like I said, I don't think it is going away. There is still a chance. So I'm hoping that the crowd will be big because of that. I think there's a good chance we're going to get an announcement this weekend of what they're going to do, either saying, hey, the short track's happening, we're, we're here come the bulldozers Sunday night, you know, they might do that. I don't expect it, but they might also say, Hey, two miles here to stay. Uh, I think we're, I think we're going to get some news this weekend one way or another. Um, and I, and I hope the, I hope the crowd is, is there for it. And I hope the crowd's good. Uh, cause I think, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting race. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to be real crazy or real, really exciting or anything, but I think for folks who just like racing and like seeing how races on, uh, develop and unfold i think it should be a good one and, and this is the first race you know they went two years without running at auto club so the track's just been sitting 
since 2019, um, as far as the Oval is concerned. I mean, certainly there's been road racing stuff there, track days and that kind of stuff. Um, there has been some work on the back straightaway, which also is what leads me to believe that the short track's not happening um, because they smoothed out the back straightaway a couple weeks ago. It had gotten very, very bumpy, and over the last couple of years, it, I think it has only gotten worse. So I still I still don't expect it to be all that smooth, but I don't think they would have put that money into it if the short track was still happening unless the track was so bad that they couldn't run cars on it. Um, so um, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. Has the track changed any? You know, Is there any rubber at all? Like how long is it going to take the track to rubber in this weekend? You know, are they going to... Is everybody going to be running a lot of laps in practice to kind of try to cover it you know will you know what what will we see you know and that'll be interesting to to see what happens there and and will these this will be the biggest side loads i think they've put on these new single lug wheels and i don't expect the wheels to really have an issue um but last weekend we saw a couple of wheels either come off the car or we saw a wheel break and we didn't the, the tv coverage didn't expand on what was happening there why that happened but it's not inconceivable that they're are situations where if the if the cars are being pushed harder to their limits that we might have seen more issues uh, along with you know there's a lot of new parts here that that Daytona is one thing but with track where you have to lift and you're maybe sliding the car a little bit and this that and the other thing just just overall putting more stress on the suspension and the wheels and the tires of the cars you know how will they do how's tire wear going to be you know these are new new sized tires is that going to change? They don't have inner liners anymore. Um, not that that impacts uh, tire wear, but I mean, if you blow a tire now, limping it around to the pits, we saw last weekend is almost impossible. Uh, so it's um, there's a lot still to be answered about this new car, which I think makes it all the more interesting. And to me, if the cars can be more fragile than what we've seen the last few years from a mechanical standpoint, I think that's a good thing. Um, to get these drivers to have to take care of the equipment a little bit because uh, it's just the last I mean the cars have become indestructible the last I don't know 15 years <laughs> you know you never see engine failures anymore you never see parts failures anymore and, and that's teams are so good and have it all figured out so now you know are we going to potentially see drivers have to make sure their car makes it to the end that's a lost art that, that would be cool I think um you know, so it'll, it'll be fun. I think the first half of the season is going to be really fun to see how this all this stuff unfolds. And, uh, you know, I, I personally can't wait for it. Um, I'm really excited for the Auto Club race. I mean, I, I personally, just from a personal note here, I haven't been to a NASCAR race in, in years other than the Clash a couple weeks ago. Um, went to the first ever race at what was California Speedway back in 97. Um, went to a couple after that found myself there here there somebody has an extra ticket that kind of stuff um, but i haven't bought other than the clash i have not bought a nascar ticket uh gosh since 1997 yeah that's the last time that i paid for a, a nascar ticket so <laughs> i guess other than the clash which I, I guess counts but maybe not um so anyway that's gonna be really fun so tune back in here uh monday we're gonna keep doing this every week um we got um right now like i said it's just nascar but that's quickly going to change uh, you know as more seasons more series get started up um you know i'm, I'm really excited for the indycar season this year um in fact that that starts up this weekend so next monday we'll, we'll have a chance to talk about 
you know, not only the um, Auto Club race, but also IndyCar at St. Petersburg, which will be really cool. Excited to see that. Um, IndyCar racing has been awesome the last few years, specifically, so that'll be cool. And um, then, gosh, just a couple weeks after that, Texas, they're, they're running much earlier in the season than normal, so... We'll have more than just NASCAR to talk about here very soon. Once Formula One gets rolling, we'll talk about that. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Um, definitely find us on uh, Instagram at Growler Garage. Um, we don't really use our Twitter, but you can find me on there if you want to talk to me for some reason. It's uh, my <laughs> my Twitter handle is Heckcat with two Ks H E K K C A T. Um, and then, of course, on YouTube. Um, these these shows don't get put up on YouTube because it would just be me in my pajamas uh, <laughs> sitting in front of a computer. Um, so that's not very interesting. But um, we, we do have other shows on um, on YouTube, our specials, and then our, our normal podcasts, which are coming back here very shortly. I promise you guys we're working on that. I know that's what our most popular thing is, is our normal kind of hour-long podcasts. We're working on getting getting those rolling again that takes a lot more work than these do um, lighting and cameras and guests and all sorts of stuff um, a lot more goes into that than you might think uh, maybe we'll do a behind the scenes on that. but uh, anyways um, Growler Garage OC on Instagram is the best place for us um, that has a link to our YouTube which is youtube.com slash Growler Garage uh, and we will see you back here again on Monday for review of Round two of the NASCAR season at Auto Club, and round one of the IndyCar season at St. Petersburg. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week.